Hey, we're glad you could join us for another Way Family Church Sermon. Today's sermon podcast is brought to you by our friend Jamie Doro. We invite you to follow along in your Bibles if you're able to, and we'd love to see you in person sometime. Way Family Church meets every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like more information about us, you can visit us online at wayfamily.church. And now, here's Jamie with a word from Acts chapter 26. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Jamie, and I'm honored to be the the guest speaker this morning, and um, I'm excited to be here. It's so good to get to come to other uh, worship gatherings and see God's family as they're spread out all over this city. You know, my favorite thing about most Sundays is that uh, all over this city, all over the world, there are people worshiped, people gathered to worship our King Jesus. And that's what we've uh, been able to do this morning. And, and now we're going to turn to our time in the Word. Um, we're going to continue in the uh, series that is going on in Acts. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter 26. We're going to look at Acts chapter 26, and we will be examining Paul's final defense. Now, I've uh, had the privilege because of technology to, to listen to my brother here. And um, you guys have been in some trials. Am I right? Y'all been walking through some trials in Acts. Y'all been uh, listening to them and walking through them. Like, you know all about Paul's trials. Well, today um, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to begin. And what I want us to begin with is is I want us to zoom out real quick. Because we've been focusing on these trials. Let's zoom out and... Let's get the before and the after, and let's see what these trials are, are, are leading from and leading to, all right? So let me pray for us, and then we'll um, dive in, all right? God, I just thank you so much for your word and just who you are. Jesus, your name is powerful. Your name is great. Lord, I just ask this morning that you give me your grace, that you give me your power. Speak through me. Lord, this is about you. This is not about the words that I have prepared. God, it is about your word, eternal word that we call the Bible, touching the lives of each one of us. And that's what I ask today in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we dive into Acts chapter 26, let's look at point number one, Paul's destination. Paul's destination. So Paul's been in all of these trials, but where is he headed? And we see that in Acts chapter 26, verse, Acts chapter 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the fact about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. That was in chapter 23. Now let's read in chapter 27 what it says. It says this, For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said to me, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. So where is Paul headed? It's clear to see that Paul is headed to Rome. History tells us that that Rome was Paul's final destination. We've all seen the movies. Don't think about that. I shouldn't have said that. But Paul went to Rome, and that was his last stop on the journey of life. As we've seen over the the course of, as you guys have seen over the course of the last few weeks, is you've got to witness the last few stops on Paul's journey to to Rome. 
See, just like Paul, we all are on a journey and we all make many different stops. Like your family is fixing to go to a new stop on your journey. My wife and I, we're actually fixing to go to a new stop on our journey. So what we need to understand to really get what Paul is doing and why this is happening is we need to understand that Paul must go to Rome. Paul must go to Rome because when we look at these trials, they sometimes don't make sense because we know that Paul was innocent. It doesn't, why, why are they still holding him? He shouldn't be, he should be set free, but he's not because God told him, you have to go to Rome. And, and, and you can think through that in whichever way you want, but that's what God's plan was, and, and Paul was obedient. He appealed to Caesar. So today, let's dive into Acts chapter 26, and let's look at one of these last stops on Paul's journey to Rome. Acts chapter 26. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am going to make my defense today against all the accused of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with the customs and controversies of the Jews. <clears throat> Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life for my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am being accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it, though, why is it, thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead. I myself am convinced of this. I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. In my rage and fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. With the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than any sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice say to me in a Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And, Je and the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision, but de declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the regions of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. 
For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the power, I've had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and to great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying this, as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For he has not, for what has been done has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Paul could have been set free. But remember, Paul's destination was Rome. Paul knew that because God told him. Therefore, Paul had to go to Rome. So he appealed to Caesar. So Acts chapter 26 is a long chapter. Um, there's a lot of meat here, but just to, and, and, and your pastor did a great job setting it up last week. Um, I didn't even know who King Agrippa was until after I listened to your sermon. Um, and so thank you. Anyway, this, this passage is awesome. And it is the third time that Paul gives what we know as his testimony. One way to think of a testimony is someone's story before they met Jesus, someone's story of how Jesus changed their life, and then their life after they met Jesus. And here we see all of those aspects from um, the Apostle Paul. We saw where he, how he was raised, how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and what he did as he followed Jesus. And so today, what I want us to see is, is what was Paul's mission. That's point number two. We're going to begin by looking at Paul's mission. We, we know his destination. Paul was headed to Rome. What was the mission that drove him to get to Rome? And it begins right there where we see him interact with Jesus in Acts 26, 15 through 18. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness. If you, if you write in your Bible, those are two good words to underline, a servant and witness. I have, I have appointed you as a servant and a witness to these things in which you have seen me and to those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Paul's mission was given directly from Jesus. Jesus was sending Paul to the Gentiles so that he could share the good news with them. 
But there's something here that we really need to understand and grasp before we get to uh, him walking his mission out. And it's those words, servant and witness. If you're a witness of a crime, what does that mean? You personally saw it happen. Your life interacted with this crime, and so now you are a witness to the events that happened. And if you're a servant, what does that mean? It means you have a master. It is So Paul was first and foremost called to be a witness and a servant of Jesus. This is best understood and best explained by looking at the other apostles, the 11 that um, didn't, didn't betray Jesus. And we find that in Mark 3, 13 through 15. Look with me as I read. And he went up on the mountain that he is Jesus, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Did y'all catch it? First, Jesus called the disciples to be with him. It doesn't take long to read through the, the New Testament and in the Gospels to see that, that um, the 11 apostles and, and even Judas, uh, he, they spent time with Jesus. They, um, Jesus, when he called them, he, he came up to them and said, what? Follow me. He said, you come follow me and I'll show you how to live your life. It's easy to see and to understand that the, the 11 apostles, not including Paul, it's easy to know that they were with Jesus. We have it recorded. So they are uh, witnesses easily of Jesus because they lived years with him. But what about Paul? How was Paul a witness of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. That leads us to point number three, Paul's inspiration. Paul's inspiration. His inspiration was obviously Jesus. We, we, can, we can cover that. But how did Paul know Jesus so well to be a witness of all the things that he had done and to be a servant? The servant part's easy. I mean, if Jesus met you on a road to Damascus and like a blinded you, it's easy to lay down, I'm yours. But what was he a witness of? And this is, is super important for us to, to catch, and it's found in verses 4 and 5 of Acts chapter 26. It says this, My manner of life, this is Paul talking about himself, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. Now, I know you're thinking, I thought a Pharisee was bad. Oh, well, it is in a sense, but let's, let's dive into this and see what this did for Paul. You see, Paul learned about Jesus before he was ever a Christian. Because the Pharisee, guess what they knew and guess what they did? They took time and time and time, and they studied the Word of God. They knew the Old Testament frontwards and backwards and could probably memorize it, had probably memorized it. And Paul in, in Philippians, he says that I was actually the greatest Pharisee. Like, I was better than everybody else. So we know that Paul knew the Old Testament. And then in Luke, um, so I'm fixing to say some verses that I'm not going to actually read. I encourage you to write them down and go check them 
um, after the fact. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus is also again walking on a road with some, with some disciples, and they didn't understand what he was talking about. And so he takes the time to go through the Old Testament. He calls it the, the Law and the Prophets. And he explains that, hey, these things are talking about me. So Jesus himself explains to us that the Old Testament points to me. You can find me in the Old Testament. But all the Pharisees knew the Old Testament, and so many of the Pharisees didn't find Jesus. What was the, what was the deciding factor? We learn that in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. And these, these verses tell us um, the first part in 14 is talking about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, will cause you to remember all that I have done and all that I have taught you. And then the next verse says that the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And then we know in 1 Corinthians that, that only the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. So Paul... Once Ananias came and prayed for him and he went and wiped his mud out of his eyes, he received the Holy Spirit. So what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit bore witness inside Paul so that he could bring to memory all that he had learned, so much that he had learned that Festus calls him crazy. He says, you're out of your mind because you've learned so much. He, he learned all of this, and then that's why Paul wrote um, almost half of the New Testament. Because he was the man that God needed. He knew the Old Testament. And I don't know if you've ever read Paul, but he uh, quotes the Old Testament a lot. <laughs> and, and that was his inspiration. The Holy Spirit helped him know his word. And he wrote the word. But it doesn't stop there. Paul actually was taught by Jesus. Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 says this. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that I preach to you is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it from a revelation from Jesus Christ. The gospel that Paul preached, he learned it directly from Jesus. Now there's debate when this happened, um, but, it, it, but all that matters is it did happen. And what's important to, uh, to get at this point is Paul took this gospel very, very seriously. In Galatians, I don't have the verses up there, but just a few verses before in, in 8 and 9, he says two times that if anyone, an angel, another apostle, even me, myself, and I come to you and preach a different gospel that I preach to you, let them be condemned, cut off from Jesus. Those are harsh words. This gospel is important, and that leads me to my next point, Paul's declaration. Paul's declaration. Look with me at Acts chapter 26, verses 19 through 23. Therefore, O king, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then to Jerusalem, and throughout all the regions of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason the Jews seized me and in the temple, and they tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and to great, saying nothing 
but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. You get it? The prophets and Moses, where did he learn it? He learned it in the Old Testament. Verse 23, that the Christ must suffer and that by being raised from the dead, he would proclaim, proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Paul preached the gospel. The gospel is the good news to our salvation. He tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel is God's power to salvation to all who believe. So the gospel here is found in two parts, two verses specifically. The first is found in verse 23. Let me read that one more time. That the Christ must suffer, and that being the first to rise from the dead, He would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. What, what is this? This is Christ's finished work on the cross. Jesus had to go to the cross. You see, it said Christ must suffer. In 1 Corinthians, he, 1 Corinthians 15, if you've never looked up verses 1 through 4, I encourage you to look that. Paul explains this a little bit further. Is it's because of our sins that Christ had to die. Christ must suffer because he was, he was someone worthy and we are not worthy. Jesus came to earth to live a life that we couldn't live, and He died a death that we actually deserved. But He didn't just stop there. He rose from the grave. Colossians says that, that on the cross we were forgiven, that Jesus took our sins and He left them on the cross. God forgave us when Jesus died on the cross. And then from that, it didn't end. He rose from the grave. Now, what is that? What, is, what more could He do? Jesus, by raising from the grave, established that He is Lord over the living and over the dead. He conquered, he conquered our life by living a sinless life, and He conquered the only thing that we all have in common, for sure, death. Jesus is Lord over the living and over the dead. And because of that... We can step out of darkness into light. You see, if we were living in darkness, Jesus brought us light. The second part is found in, chapter, in verse 20 of chapter 26. And this is what I like to call our response. But I declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all of the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that we should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with his repentance in keeping with repentance so before you guys freak out it says performing deeds I thought we just said that Jesus is the reason we get saved remember this is our response Jesus his death is why we can be can be, Jesus death and resurrection is why we are saved. This is how we respond. This is exactly the same that is found in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood up gave his first sermon where they thought he was drunk. I always thought that was hilarious. They thought he was drunk, but he says they said what should we do? Repent and believe. Be baptized. That was the response. You know what I like to think? And I didn't get this until about actually a month ago. We think of, of keeping deeds as legalism. 
I'm trying, if, if I have a checklist of all of these things that I need to do um, by following Jesus. Well, you know what the difference in legalism and holiness is? The mindset. Legalism is I've got to do these things so that God will be pleased with me. Holiness is, oh my goodness, look what Jesus did for me. I want the matter of my life to reflect Him. So I'm going to do these things so that I can follow Him. We can't forget that Jesus says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. There's a, there's a, there's a way of going through churches today that is all about grace. They forget that, that James says, faith without works is dead. That faith, it, it, that faith is in Jesus. The first part where Jesus finishes it is in verse 18. He says, sanctified by faith in me. We depend on Jesus. And then we depend on the Holy Spirit to allow us to live for Him and, and to keep His commandments. So that's Paul's declaration. This is the very declaration that is sending him to his death. It's why he's on trial. It's the declaration he met Jesus and it changed his whole life. How many of you can say, I've met Jesus and it changed my life? This leads me to, our, to the final point of Paul. And that's Paul's invitation. It's found in verse, 20, verse 26 through 29 of chapter 26. That's a lot of 26s there. For the king knows that these thing, about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that no one of these things has escaped his notice. What kind of king doesn't know what happens in his kingdom? He knew. For this has, not gone, this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And here's what Paul said. Whether short or long, I would that any of you listening to me today would become such as I am, except with this set for these chains. Paul makes it clear that he wanted people to become as he was. And what was he? A witness and a servant of Jesus. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and it changed his life. He wanted everyone else to, when they met Jesus, to submit to him as Lord. See, that's the beautiful thing about, about Jesus. Sometimes we miss this. It, it is... We forget the aspect that Jesus is Lord. We're like, hey, elect Jesus. Like, hey, like ask Him to come into your heart. That's all good stuff, but where is the, I met Jesus. He's the Lord, and now my life is His. That's what following Jesus looks like. So now I know you're wondering, you've told me a lot about Paul. How does this apply to me and we're closing out here how does this apply to me well, let's begin with your destination spoiler alert one out of one people die <laughs> just like Paul we all have a own many of us have a long time before we get there some of us may not 
But the fact of the matter is, is we're all on a journey. Your journey's fixing to take you somewhere. Our journey's fixing to take us back to Alabama. You're all on a journey. Is your mission the same as Paul? What's your mission? Is it to make a lot of money? You know, I met a guy one time, so I Uber here in Tucson sometimes, and I met a guy that his goal was to, um, there's this elite business owner club, and his goal was to sell enough bread to become a member of that business owner club. He wanted to be like the top seller in Tucson. That was his goal. People have goals like that all the time. I mean, our, our, goals, uh, our goals can be anything. But what should our goals be? What should our mission be? It should be the same as Paul's. To be a witness and a servant of Jesus. It is Jesus, I see you, I know you, and I'm going to serve you wherever you lead me. You know where your biggest opportunity to live this mission out is? It's not here. It's where you work, where you live, and where you play. We see that in Paul's life, he had many stops on his journey. We see his eagerness to, to live out his mission. But if you're going to live out your mission, you have to make sure your inspiration is correct. We live in a, a time and an age... Like I've had this stupid TikTok stuck in my head forever. I want it to go away. Like we live in a time where it's, we're just inundated with stuff. Like, like here, we have people who their jobs are called influencers now. Like their whole job is to get you to get something. Where is your inspiration coming from? Paul knew his word. He wrote the word. That's cool. But he knew it. You know why it was so important for him to know it? Because he understood that, that here on earth, the greatest reflection that we get of who our Savior is, is right here. John says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you want to be a witness and know Jesus, you have to begin right here. There's no way around it. So I'm from Alabama, and it saddens me. It's the Bible Belt. Like, we've got churches everywhere. Like, Christians has influenced, like, all kinds of aspects of society and things like that. It, it's, it's a Christian place for the most part. But you know what saddens me? Is I can't tell you how many times I've gone and start talking about the Bible with people, and they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. They don't want to talk about Jesus. They don't want to talk about Alabama football or their son's baseball games or anything but Jesus. You know what? I've, I've actually been accused of, of studying too deep. Of like, oh, you're getting way off in the weeds. I said, what did Paul do? He, he, he got made fun of because of his great learning. And this is what he said, no, I speak in true and rational words. If you want to be a witness and a servant of Jesus, you have to spend time reading the Bible. But that leads to the next thing. And that is your declaration. If you are listening to Jesus, then you will be speaking about Jesus. If you don't write down any other verse that I tell you today, 
write this one down. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 15. And after I'm finished, I encourage you to go, to go read it. This is what it says. We believe, so we speak. We believe, so we speak, with some other words. What does that mean? Well, our, our life is focused on believing in Jesus and who he, who he said He was, what He did, and how He can impact our lives. So we get the believing part. But Paul makes it clear that we believe so that we speak. And then the verses following says grace extends to more and more people. In other words, you can't be a silent Christian. You better check your inspiration. If you're a silent Christian, you're not getting the inspiration that I'm getting. The Bible makes it clear that we speak on behalf of God. That's what ambassadors do, right? An ambassador goes to England for the United States, and what do they do? They speak on behalf of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls us ambassadors for Christ. This kingdom is not our own. We're from a heavenly kingdom, and we're ambassadors for, this, for the kingdom that we're a part of here on earth. And I end with this, our invitation. So we all have an invitation. When we come face to face with Jesus, He's inviting us to do something. He's inviting us to follow Him. He's inviting us to um, understand this, the Word. Jesus is inviting us today. And today the invitation is simple. Follow Jesus. He is Lord over life and death. And He's worthy of your life and my life. If you're worried that you aren't good enough, guess what? No one is. That's why He had to come. If you're worried that He won't accept you, He took care of that 2,000 years ago on the cross. I mean, look at Paul. He went from killing Christians to now he's going on his way to Rome to die as one. No one's too far from Jesus. He can't help you. No one's too far from Jesus that He can't help you. Jesus can help everybody. So like Paul, stop kicking against the goads. And today, if you're a Jesus follower, I pray that something that I've said it will encourage you, will strengthen you, or will give you something to think about. Because the sermon shouldn't end here. It should go home with you as you begin following Jesus this week. Because each day is a new day, and we begin following Jesus every day. Let me pray, and I'll turn it over, okay? Dear God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for our destination being heaven. But while we're here on, on earth, let us be faithful to your mission. Let you be our inspiration. God, let us make declaration of you and invite people to follow you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.